Hey, this is Nathan Jenkins from Loon Mountain Ministry, and I want to thank you for checking out our podcast today. We welcome you to join us, the trees, the rocks, and all of creation as we worship our great God. Enjoy the message. All right, if you'll remain standing, I'm going to read, uh, lead us in this morning's scripture reading. So I'll turn to the front of your bulletin. These verses come from Proverbs chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. 20 through 23, and 32 verses 33. Join me. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They are a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. Out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. On top of the wall, she cries out. At the city gate, she makes her speech. How long will you who are simple love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? Repent at my rebuke. Then I will pour out my thoughts to you. I will make known to you my teachings. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. Well, good morning, Loon Mountain Ministry. You may be seated. It is nice to be back with you guys. Heidi and I and the kiddos enjoyed a week's vacation. Um down in South Carolina for the first part of the trip, and Virginia Beach for the latter half of the trip, um, and it was a blast. Uh, many of you might not know part of my, my story, uh, but some of part of my story is that in the seventh grade, I went on a mission trip to the Fiji Islands. I know, someone's going to suffer for Jesus. Um, with an organization called Teen Missions International. And what I like about Teen Missions International is it doesn't just take a group of people from the same church and go on a mission trip. It gathers teenagers from all of the United States, and you get to go to different countries. And I was going to Fiji, and there was this kid from South Carolina, and I was from Maine, and we really bonded. His name was Curtis. And uh, when I got home, we would talk on the phone once in a while. And he would always end the phone call and was like, hey, talk to your... You know how like when you're a kid, you talk to your parents about a sleepover, and I'll talk to my kids about a sleep, my parents about a sleepover? Well, this was a little different. He said, hey... Go talk to your parents, and my dad will fly up and get you in our plane, and then you can come down to our house. So I would talk to my parents who are from Western Maine, dad's a pastor, mom's a nurse. I'm like, hey, this kid wants to fly up and get me in their plane. And my mom would be like, ah, kids talk. You know, they don't have a personal plane. They're not going to come up and get you. But sure enough, my April break, my eighth grade year, uh, Don Bell, his father, called up and said, hey, my name is Don Bell. I'm... Curtis's dad, uh, I have a meeting in Connecticut, I'll have a personal plane, come up and get Marcus. And uh, what I love about my parents is that didn't bother them a bit. They, we met the plane at Waterville Airport in Maine, and I got off and they said, have a great time. And uh, I became really close with the Bell family. And from there on out, I stayed with the Bells in the summer, and Curtis would come up and visit me in the wintertime. My senior year in high school through my uh, junior year in college, I would work all summer long for them in South Carolina. Uh, they own a, an aviation company, and really, I just was a bell. One of the most generous families I have ever met. And when you're generous, you need help because you're generous to all people. And you need help serving those people. And so that's what I do. I would grill. I would be the dock master for their wave runners and their float plane and their mastercraft boat and their party boat where they would have churches that they just would never know come over and do a retreat at their house with all of their toys. And I would just be there to help out in any way I can. But anyway, um, sadly, my senior year in college, uh, my best friend Curtis passed away in a plane crash. Um, and that was hard. Um, but uh, Jesse is named after him. Jesse Curtis is his name. And uh, this is a family that is really near and dear to me, and I wanted my family to really get to know them. And we, they hadn't been down to the house that I lived in in South Carolina. And so that was really cool. What was awesome was last Sunday, we got to be called up on stage, the whole family, and we went and grabbed the musical instruments from their 
praise team, and we played How Great Thou Art Mountain Style for them, which was super cool. And, uh, and then we ran the evening service and explained what is Mountain Church, what is church like in New England, where, where church was cool 250 years ago. Um, that was one thing my kids really mentioned when we were in South Carolina. Literally, I was like, oh, they haven't been down here before. They're like, Dad, there is a church everywhere we look. And yeah, it's like Dunkin' Donuts in New England, right? <laughs> church in the South. And uh, what I thought was funny is they didn't know the term Bible Belt. I didn't know that my kids didn't know that term. So I said something about the Bible Belt, and you could see their face like, wait, you wear your Bible on your belt? Like, How does that work? And I'm like, oh, no, this just means from, like, you know, Florida up through, like, Ohio, right in here is where everyone goes to church. And so it was really fun. It was really fun for me to explain what God is doing in the White Mountains. And we came away from that Sunday night church service that we ran, and Heidi's like, man, Marcus, when you share what God's doing in the White Mountains, you come alive. Like, you get super excited. So I was down there. I was super, you know, proud to be a part of what God's doing up here and share. So, um, But if you remember, two years ago during the pandemic, we did an online series called Homegrown Faith. And I want to encourage you guys, I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it. Nice job, guys. I'm seeing it. And what I saw was like when Randy came up here and announced what they're doing at their house. What the, that's homegrown faith. You know, he's saying, hey, guys, we've got questions. We've got concerns. We're struggling. And instead of just being quiet about it and being at their house, just being like, I don't know, we'll just won't say anything. They're willing to open up their home, find and research a curriculum that's working or could work and say, would anyone like to come on over and do this with us? That's homegrown faith. And remember we told you to vi envision the church like a farmer's market and not a convenience store. That was the whole point of the homegrown faith message series. That when you come and be part of this thing called Loon Mountain Ministry, you're not coming for its convenience. And you're not coming for just what it can offer you that you want for your customization. So you come into the convenient spiritual store of Loon Mountain Ministry, and you're like, oh, well, I'm only going to come if Marcus speaks because he holds my attention. Or I'm only going to come when Drew leads music because he, you know, sings on key, unlike Marcus. You know, I'm only going to come, you know, I'm only going to come when it suits my calendar schedule or when I would like to, you know, when, when, when it works for me. And then I'm going to take these things off the conveniently placed shelf of the spiritual corner store called Loon Mountain Ministry, and then I'm going to go back into my world. No, this is a farmer's market. And God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, through your confession with your mouth and your belief in your heart, Jesus Christ has saved you. And he hasn't saved you so that you can show up at a convenience store called church and get what you want on aisle two. He saved you so that you can be part of a kingdom that's much bigger than you. Much bigger than me, way bigger than Loon Mountain Ministry. I think it's super stoked to see Randy and, and Marissa open up their home. Man, I was pumped to listen to the online church service you know, that Tin uh, led last week. Man, Tin, if you were here last week, you got blessed by a guy who loves God's word and studies God's word and was able to articulate what he has studied and what God has been showing him in his word. He did an incredible job laying out the beginning of the book of Proverbs and helping you with the cultural setting and the historical context. And how, what I loved is that he didn't just leave it there. He said, what does this mean when Jesus Christ came? How does the New Testament relate to the Old Testament? Because remember, we talked about that the Bible is just one big old story and the hero of the story is not you. The hero of the story, ready for this? Newsflash. The hero of the story in the Bible is not the Protestant church in America. Oh, you might didn't know that, right? We didn't know that. I thought our rights were the hero of the story. My black, you know, blue, white, red, striped, white rights. Those are my right. I'm getting off on tangent now. Sorry. <laughs> Jesus didn't die for that. He died for the soul's of men and women, humankind that are made in his image and, and Tim did an awesome job relating Proverbs to the New Testament. So Tim, thanks for treating uh, church like a farmer's market. And you brought your gift to the farmer's market last week, right? 
Randy and Marissa, thank you for treating you know church like a farmer's market and bringing your gifts. And you might be sitting in your seat going, oh no, he's looking at me. I'm not doing what I should. No, no, this is not a should thing. God has gifted you. You might not know that. And you might think, well, you only can share your gift at church if you preach or if you know how to study God's word, or if you get up and you can play one of these instruments, that is wrong Oh, There are so many ways to serve the church. It starts with your personal relationship being connected to the vine. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever is connected to me will bear much fruit. And it doesn't say, once you just connect to me, you'll be set. You'll have the perfectest life ever. No, it says, when you're connected to me and you're bearing fruit, my Father will prune you. So you bear more fruit. And that's what we get wrong sometimes as Christians. We think, wait a minute, I said the prayer. I go to church. I vote correctly and listen to Christian music. Therefore, my life should be set. Nope. According to Scripture, when you're connected to the vine and the Holy Spirit brings the lifeblood, the sap of the vine, Jesus' blood that gives life, that saves us from our sins and saves us from God's wrath, when it gives blood to the branch, you are the branch. Praise God for Jesus, because you and I aren't Jewish. We were grafted in, according to Romans, according to Paul. We are grafted in to the original root, which is Jesus, right? They said that there was a root of Jesse. A small root of Jesse. That's Jesus. And you and I are connected to the vine through confession with our mouth and belief in our heart. Romans says we shall be saved. When we confess the Lord with our mouth and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. The book of Romans also said, anyone that calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now we went on vacation and I turned my cell phone off last Saturday. So if you were trying to get a hold of me, I'm sorry, I had a mentor one time uh, challenge me about three years ago. He talked about how I was just too addicted to this thing, and I was too connected to this thing. It gave me my sense of worth, my sense of identity, and it also just made my brain numb. And he called me numb, and he said, Marcus, you need to wake up. So he challenged me. He said, once a day, I want you to be without this thing for two hours. That means put it in a drawer so you can't see it, can't hear it, be within earshot of it, two hours a day. That I want you once a week to be away from it for a 12-hour period. That I want you to once a month be away from it for a 24-hour period. And he goes, and I want you once a year to be away from it for a seven-day period. I haven't always done this perfectly, but I've been working on this for the past three years. And I'm going to tell you that my stress level and my health, like I'm not even kidding you, in the midst of all this craziness, I've probably been sick less than I've ever been. And I think... People call me crazy, but I look back, and when did I stop kind of getting head colds all the time or whatever? It's when this rhythm started happening in my life. And so on sun, last Saturday, I turned it off. Now, it makes life pretty difficult when you turn it back on. So when you felt the power yesterday afternoon surge, it's when I turned this thing back on. Um, but the beauty of having an older uh, uh, daughter is that she drove a good bit of the trip. So dad just sat in the back of the car yesterday after I turned it on and I just started weeding through my text messages and hitting everybody back. And I love being connected. I absolutely love. And it's a, it's, it's a great thing. It's God's gifting in my life. It's the gift he's given me. But any gift to an extreme is a weakness. We know that. And I start getting my sense of identity from being connected to you guys. I start getting my sense of fulfillment and purpose from you contacting me. It's not good, right? Maybe you feel that way about your job. Right? Maybe your job isn't connecting with people. Maybe your job is dotting the I's and crossing the T's because you're an accountant. Or maybe your job is the care of people because you're in the medical industry. Maybe your job is caring for people because you're a, a professional you know, mom or a dad taking care of your kiddos. Maybe your job you know, is an engineer, and so being right or correct or understanding the formula. Whatever it is, we can easily hide underneath our job and we can identify ourselves with what we do and not who we are. We are made in the image of God. We are created to be in relationship with God. The only thing that will satisfy and sustain us is a life related to God through faith in Jesus Christ being filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's how it works. That's why we're here. That's why Loon Mountain Ministry even exists is to declare that message. All that to say, thank you guys for treating this like a farmer's market. And if you don't think you have a gift to share, I'd love to have coffee with you and learn your story.
I'd love to have coffee with you and learn what the Lord is doing in your life. See, the Bible is clear that we were born twice. There's the physical birth. Mine's May 24th, 1982 at 11.17 at night. Right? I will be 40 this year. I remember that birthday for my parents. I was talking to Elena this morning. I am now the age that I remember my parents at. That is weird. Right? Because my parents now are my kids' grandparents. Right? That's how I see them. They're my kids' grandparents. But how I am now is how I remember my mom and dad. I remember actually my dad's 33rd birthday. And I was like, Dad, you're the same age as Larry Bird. And my dad was like, no, that's just his number. And now it blows my mind that my dad was older than Larry Bird. That is weird. I mean, that's weird again right now. Anyway, so thanks for treating this. You know, two births, sorry, two births. And then there's the spiritual birth. Remember, remember, there's a really cool episode of this. I think Drew said you, it's your favorite on The Chosen. When Nicodemus, right, is coming to Jesus at night and he wants to know. He's curious. And Jesus said, well, you got to be born again, Nicodemus. And he's like, how does a full-grown man get back into his mom's, you know, womb? And he goes, no, no, no. You need to be born of spirit and of water. Right? That's the spiritual birth. And that happens, the Bible says, that when we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart, we shall be saved. It says, the wage of the sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I was going back to tell you that we were on vacation. That's what I love about my wife. I'm like, sweet, my phone is off. I'm not going to look at any written material. I'm not going to read anything. I'm not going to email anything. I'm done. We get driving. We're like an hour from leaving here last uh, Friday. And Heidi goes, all right, guys, road trip. And it means that we're going to memorize the Romans road together as a family. Oh, Lord, you gave me a great wife. Okay, back into ministry mode. Here we go. But it's awesome. And I just rattled off a lot of the Romans road to you. The Romans road is a set of verses in the book of Romans that help you know salvation's plan in the Bible and help you be able to communicate to others God's plan of salvation. Right? As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Right? This is the Romans road. For whoever should call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Right? Really cool stuff. Thank you, Heidi, for making me memorize that. You have replaced my mom. Because <laughs> when I was a kid, I really didn't like listening to Christian music. And if we would go over that month's memory verses, my mom, if I got them all right, would let me listen to the oldies. Woo! Because somehow the oldies isn't bad. Yeah, I listened to Sitting on the Dock of the Bay, and I was like, hmm, we need to go have a talk about the birds and the bees, because I was listening to oldies. So, <laughs> oh man, watching that tide roll away. Okay. Back to the book of Proverbs, you're going to be on some rabbit trails with your brother here, Marcus. But back to the book of Proverbs, Tim, thank you, bro. Awesome job kicking us off. Um, as he said last week, we're doing the books of wisdom. I felt when we started the books of wisdom that Job was going to be my least favorite, so I wanted to get over it first. I felt like Proverbs was going to be the low-picking fruit. I wanted to cover it last, okay? I uh, grew up in western Maine, and in western Maine there's a publication called The Uncle Henry. Comes out every Thursday morning. My father is at the convenience store and actually picks, because he knows the headmaster or the postmaster at the post office, picks up the Uncle Henry at the post office and brings it to the convenience store for them because he's the first customer to always get one on Thursday. So he actually is out front. And what you do if you're a good Uncle Henry shopper, you flip to the center of the Uncle Henry book. And in the center of it is a, 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 a category called Free for the Taking. And you better be Johnny on the spot if something's good and free for the taking. Now that's changed over the years. Free for the taking now is literally like five things and they all should just be at the dump. Right? But I'm going to tell you guys, the book of Proverbs is about in the middle of your Bible. Treat your Bible like the Uncle Henry publication. Every morning, grab the middle of your Bible and flip it open to the middle. And there's a proverb. Put your finger down and read one. It's just like what um, Tin said last week, right? With that whole, a doctor a day keeps the, no, a doctor a day keeps the apples away. No, an apple a day keeps the doctor. Thank you, Eunice. She keeps me straight. Thank you very much. Um, 
And so um, these are Proverbs. These are like these are like fortune cookies in the Bible, right? But you shouldn't wait till after the meal to eat these. You should eat these at the beginning of the day, right? Who loves playing that game with a fortune cookie? And if you don't, you should. At the end of your Chinese meal, you guys had Chinese food last night, right? And you did too? Awesome. How many had Chinese food last night? There's more. There's a couple over here. You open up that fortune cookie, and before you read the fortune, you come up with a saying. This isn't awesome. Good morning. How's it going, guys? Good morning, Good to have you. No, you're fine. What I love about this church is we're like the price is right. You know, Farah's adding to the sermon right now. It's awesome. These guys just jumped in. You guys, we're, we, are, we are a participatory church, right? And it's, it's awesome. It's a little difficult for someone with ADD, but it's great. What was I just saying? Chinese food, fortune cookies. Yes. Thank you. You should play this game, right, where before you read the fortune, before you know what it is, you can't look at it and then come up with it. You have to say something like, the first time I met my wife, or the first time mom met dad's parents, and then you read the description, and then read the fortune, and then say that. And it is hilarious how well it goes. You should, it's so funny. It's really funny, and if you want to get a little risque, you could say, like, in the shower afterwards, right? Or, you know, the first time mom kissed dad, it's, the kids think it's hilarious. It is pretty funny. You should play that game. Proverbs, this is a funny way of saying, hopefully it connect, connect, connects with you and sticks there. This is a funny way of saying, you should be reading Proverbs, right, every day. There are people that have been reading one chapter of Proverbs every day, for years, people that know the Bible way better than me or way better than any of us here, and they haven't stopped. Because wisdom is incredible, right? So let's jump in. Last week, Ken did an awesome job laying this out. It's predominantly written by a guy named Solomon. Solomon, excuse me, was King David's son. Remember, he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. He also wrote the book, book of Song of Songs, the Song of Solomon. He's King David's son. Now, how many like me are overwhelmed when you open up the Bible? Whew, you're like, this thing's huge. How do I? Well, one way that you can help break it down is that the Old Testament has a lot of books, and they can be broken down into categories. There's the books of the law. I will tell you that most of the books of the law are extremely boring. If this is your first time reading the Bible, don't start with the books of the law. Might be cool to read Genesis, but then maybe you can bounce out of their books of the law after Genesis. There's five. They're also known as the Pentateuch, right? Then there's the books uh, of history, right? And then there's just accounts of history. Those can be super fun. Those can be really, really fun to read, especially if you're a history buff. Jim is a history buff. Um, the book of First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles. Those are really fun to read because you can see all the history uh, in the Old Testament. Then there's the books of prophecy, and they're broken down into two categories. There's the minor prophets and the major prophets, right? And they're declaring a message from the Lord, right? Might be about the future, might be about something that the, that the Israelites are doing wrong at the moment, you know? And that's the book of prophecy, minor and major. And then there's the poetry books. And guess what? Proverbs is a poem. It's a poetry book. So is Psalms. So is Ecclesiastes. So is Song of Solomon. So actually what's pretty crazy, between father and son, David and Solomon, they make up most of the poetry books in the Old Testament. It's pretty cool, huh? Father and son team. Now, what you learned from Tim last week is a little bit of Solomon's history. Right? Solomon's mom with Bathsheba. Bathsheba was the wife of King David. But before she was the wife of King David, she was the wife of Uriah, a faithful servant of the king who was the leader in an army. And King David, in a horrible sin weekend, in a horrible sin weekend, was lazy, looked at pornography, cheated on his wife, and cheated on the husband of her, and then murdered her husband, and then she became pregnant, or she was pregnant already, and they lost the baby. And the prophet Nathan came and shared this crazy story about a really awful uh, master to a servant. And King David wanted to know who it was because he wanted to kill that, that master. And Nathan looked him right in the eye and said, it's you, pal. And David was ripped to the heart, ripped his clothing, fell before the face of the Lord and said, I am 
he wrote Psalms 51. Have you ever felt like you've done it? You've messed up. You've messed up hard, right? I have. I have. Have you ever got that feeling in your stomach like, oh, I just told a lie, and it's a doozy. It's a bad one. This is going to have ramifications. Or I just cheated on something, or I just did something that in the moment gave me adrenaline because it was super wrong, but as soon as the adrenaline was gone, shame just filled your body with just crazy, like, goosebumps and kind of made you feel like, oh, no, right? Kind of the same feeling when you go by a police officer on the interstate and you're doing about 82. That same feeling, right? Get that feel. I, that's the feeling, yep, okay? That's the feeling, um, right? David had one way worse than that because he went, what I say about King David is King David and I are super similar. We go 180 degrees and a, 100, sorry, 180 miles an hour, right? 180 miles an hour. And people love it when I'm aimed at the Lord. When I'm filled by the Holy Spirit and we're aiming at the right thing, the correct thing. Woohoo! And Loon Mountain Ministry is filled with energy and excitement and young families. And we're going and we're preaching the gospel and it's amazing. Guys, I'm a flawed human being. And I don't slow down when I change direction and move away from God. That's what scares the living daylights out of me. And that's what they told me in my psychiatric eval when I was going for my ordination process. They said, Marcus, you move fast. And when you move to the Lord, you are moving fast and you bring a lot of people with you. Awesome. But the same is true for you, Marcus, when you move away from the Lord. You move fast and you bring a lot of people with you. That is a responsibility that only can be kept at bay by humility and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And by not getting too big for my britches. And one of the things that's amazing that God's doing this, and despite my weakness of wanting attention and wanting to be up front, is the Lord is putting together a family and a team where I don't have to be it. I was gone last week, and it was amazing. It went on, just like normal. It was awesome. Good for us, Loon Mountain Ministry, being filled by the Holy Spirit and being able to not be dependent upon one person. We shouldn't. It's not good for you. It's not good for me. It's been difficult as an egotistical narcissist to let go of control. As someone who loves to be patted on the back for being up front, you know, that's hard for me. I need to, with humility, say, Lord, no, open my hand. Get this out of me. Get this away. And it's been incredible. So we're on this journey together. We're growing together. And that's why we jumped in the Book of Wisdoms, like, like uh, Tim said last week. We're young. Our ministry's young. Our leadership's young. And Solomon wrote those books, the book, uh, book of Proverbs, the book of Ecclesiastes, and the book of Song of Solomon. And I heard it said like this by the Bible Project guys. I like this. He said, Solomon wrote the book of Song of Solomon when he was a young lover. Right? Remember those days in college or in your 20s? It's like, you know, it's like what Bambi said, you're Twitter-pated. Right? You're just Twitter-pated. Like, like, you just see everything through rose-colored glasses. If you read the song, song of Solomon, you're like, one, you'll blush. It's awesome that it's in the Bible. I think it's great. You, you should read that before you go to the birds and the bees. It's, it's a great birds and the bees. It also talks about deer and coconuts. It's amazing. <laughs> it does actually talk about fawns and coconuts. Anyway, um, we should not go there. Someone's going to turn red. Anyway, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, he wrote that when he was young and in love. And then you have Ecclesiastes. He was an old, skeptical, grumpy New Englander. Anyone watch the show, Grumpy Old Men, right? The, 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 the movie, awesome show. Awesome, it's hilarious. Probably not appropriate sometimes, but hilarious. Grumpy Old Men. Any, anyone met a grumpy old New Englander who just sees the glasses half empty all the time? Well, that's who wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. Solomon was a grumpy old man. Been there, done that, seen that, and said, ah, you've seen nothing, kid. Watch this. But he wrote the book of Proverbs when he was like a young father about ready to send his kids into the world, right? He's about ready to send his kids off to college. And uh, what we know about Solomon is that what, what Tim was saying last week for, from his history is that he was born into Bathsheba and David's family, but he wasn't the oldest son. So the kingdom was going to be given to somebody else. The prophet Nathan came in, reminded them what was going to happen if they didn't do this. They were going to lose their life, right? So he listened to them, he listened to them, and he went and he got declared king. And then God came and said, what would you like? And he didn't say riches. He didn't say a really good looking wife. He didn't say a fast car. He said, or a private jet. He said, I want wisdom. And God said, that's an incredible ask. I'll give you wisdom and more, right? But then
There's some rules. This is why I find Proverbs sometimes, like what Tim was saying last week, is that Proverbs 31 is a fictitious woman. That's pretty difficult to live up to. He said he's glad there's not Proverbs 32 describing a man that none of us dudes can live up to. I will read Proverbs and sometimes get very much like, well, I can't do this. Holy moly, this is really, really difficult. Well, let me tell you, the wisest man on earth wrote the book of Proverbs. There was only three rules given in Deuteronomy. Remember, I told you to read this whole thing. This whole thing's a big story. In Deuteronomy, the Lord said, I'll give you a king, but they've got to follow these three rules. A, don't go back to Egypt. I brought you out of there. You should not go back to Egypt and buy their horses. B, do not store up money and, and wealth and food for yourself. Don't do that. I've given you all that you need. If you store it up, you'll just get fat and you'll want to, you'll, you'll, you'll be afraid people will steal from you. So you'll live in fear all the time. Sound familiar? America. Um, and don't marry foreign wives because they believe in something different. And they pursue other gods and they'll corrupt your belief in me. What was the first thing the wisest man in the world, given wisdom from God, did? Went to Egypt, bought horses, fell in love with Egyptian, and married her. <laughs> oh, for three, struck out looking with the bat on his shoulder. So now, that's who wrote the book of Proverbs. He's a, he's a superhuman, right? He's, or he's very human, right? He, 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 he's a sinner, just like you and me. And he's the wisest man in the world. So there's hope. That's what I'm trying to say. When I read this, I'm like, oh, there's hope. What did God say about David after he committed laziness, lust, murder, adultery? That was all in one weekend. In the American church today, we would absolutely be gone, and I would probably never be in ministry ever again. What did God say about King David who confessed? He goes, that's a man after my own heart. So church, we need to be a place of confession too. We need to be a greenhouse where we can come and confess our sins and pray for one another and be healed. Sometimes the sin of the church leaders isn't just on them. It's in the greenhouse we've made where we've worshipped our leader, where we've put them up on a pedestal, made them more important, made them our convenience store where I need to go off of their, their charisma, off of their motivation, right? So you put them up on a pedestal that everyone needs them, okay? Then we absolutely crucify them when they make a mistake and never let them back in again. Just absolutely tear them down. Stop it. That's not the gospel. That's not redemptive. Now, is it okay for leaders to go do stupid stuff? No. Should there be consequences? 100%. But there should be a greenhouse of confession, repentance, forgiveness, and prayer for one another. For that we could be healed. James 5.16. So Proverbs gives us wisdom. Proverbs, this is what you need to write down, because this is what people confuse. I love this. The Bible Project says this. A lot of other people say this too. But this is where I get Proverbs confused. Proverbs are not promises. They are principles. Let me say that again. A lot of people leave the faith. A lot of people stop reading God's Word. A lot of people walk away from the church because they feel like it's a promise or or, or a formula. Right? So Proverbs will say something like this. Right? Following God will give you a long life and prosperity. Doing what's right will enhance your years. The wicked will be cut short and their days are numbered. Okay? So if you plug it in like a formula, you can say to yourself, wait a minute. What about your friend, Marcus, that you started this conversation with? He died at 21. He loved the Lord. He was an unbelievable ambassador for Jesus. He told people about God. He was getting ready to be engaged. He just bought a house. He'd gotten out of college. He'd done everything right that the church had told him to do, the Bible told him to do, and he'd done everything right by the American standards. This guy was a high moral dude. Actually, in comparison, I looked like a chump. Really, I was struggling to get through college. I don't shave or comb my hair. I think when I got up in front of that southern church last week, they're like, you're a pastor? I had to remind them, I'm a ski bump pastor. <laughs> and so this guy was a model citizen. And for whatever reason or other, God took him home at age 21. These are not promises. These are principles. What I also like about it is the, 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 the Bible project says these are probabilities. Let me say that again. These are probabilities. 
And you know what? Us, Christian American Protestant church, we don't like probabilities. We like promises. If I check this box, this will happen. If I do the thing the Bible tells me to do and confess with my mouth and believe in my heart, I will then get the spouse I'm looking for, the bank account that makes me feel safe, the house that I want, the job that I want, the kids will be sure that they love Jesus and go to an Ivy League school, and we're good to go. Er, Jesus didn't die for your comfort and your safety. He died for my sin and your sin, and for to appease the wrath of God, so that we could be adopted as sons and daughters. Okay, let me get back here. Solomon was a genius. God given him wisdom. He also had unlimited resources. So in the time, Solomon was the library. Solomon's temples that he made, Solomon's courts that he made. Solomon's a really, I, 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 I wanna, I've always wanted to own a bed and breakfast in a mountain town called Solomon's Porch. Because Solomon's Porch is where everyone hung out and talked about theology, talked about politics, talked about religion, talked about parenting, talked about the weather, the snow, you know, whatever. It was called Solomon's Porch, or sometimes it was called Solomon's Colonnade. I love that, Solomon's Porch. I think it's really cool. Jesse was almost going to be named Solomon. Uh, we like that name for sure. Uh, he was full of knowledge, and he had the, he had the um, budget to go do this. So he had horticulture, he had geography, he had history, he had, you know, he was, he was the, you know, he was the, um, the, 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 the expert on relationships, he was the expert on all kinds of things, and he had volumes of things that he wrote down. Proverbs is actually a very small grouping of what Solomon wrote. So I don't know about you, but I'm excited to go find Solomon in heaven and be like, dude, tell me all about the stuff that didn't make it into my Bible. That's going to be fun. To go hang out with him. I'll probably have to wait in line for a really long time. I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one that's had that idea. Okay. The book opens, proverb opens, with a father talking to a son. Remember I told you Solomon wrote this at about, you know, middle age. Had some really good wisdom. Had some great insight. He's given this to his son. You and I, if we've confessed with our mouth and believed in our heart, are sons and daughters. The Bible says that we're adopted into the kingdom of God. We're adopted. God is our father. We are his children. So you should be, I should be looking at God's wisdom every day. How many of you have lost your father and you would give anything to hear a chat from your dad again? How many of you have found yourself in situations where you're like, man, I wish dad was here? Yeah, totally. And you guys find yourself, I hear that all the time. Man, I wish my dad was here. I wish he could tell me about this or that. Well, this is it here. Right? When you're feeling that way, I would encourage you to flip open the book of Proverbs and start right at the beginning. That's dad conveying his wisdom. That's him, you know, that's him sitting you down at the, the edge of your, uh, your dorm, right? You have your dorm bed and saying, hey, don't worry, son, I love you. Don't worry, daughter, I love you. I made some really big mistakes, too, in college. There's grace. There's forgiveness. Don't maybe do that again, Right? But there's grace and forgiveness. Let's make a different decision. This is not, the wisdom that's in Proverbs is not the wisdom that sometimes we are looking for. We're looking for wisdom to get us success financially or to get us out of a situation or to make sure that our health will be long. This is practical daily wisdom. What's so cool is I wrote this down. I like what you know Tim read about John Piper said about wisdom. There's a lot of cool definitions. What I wrote is the wisdom, this is wisdom that is practical for day-to-day -day living but has eternal value. As I researched this wisdom, it's called Hulkma. Wisdom in this book, the original world's called, words called Hokmah. And what they would, the Jewish people, the, the Hebrew people would say about Hokmah is like what Drew was doing up here with his guitar. Drew has Hokmah on playing the guitar, meaning he knows how to play guitar. Okay? I have less Hokmah on the guitar. Right? Just, it's just something I've, you know, not learned as much as Drew and not done as much. Right? I would say that I have Hokmah when it comes to public speaking. 
I love to get up in front of people and I love to convey a message and do it with passion. That's hokma. It's an art, right? I would say that Nathan has hokma when it comes to video editing, when it comes to snowboard. You know what I'm saying? Right? I've eaten my wife's food. She has hokma in the kitchen, right? You go over and you order a latte from someone over there that you hope has hokma on how to make a latte. Because if they don't, you ain't going to like it, a latte, right? So, <laughs> that was for you, Scott. Where are you? Yeah, Mom. <laughs> anyway, man, what you've noticed about the style of preaching and the style of uh, uh, the, the gifting on God that he's given me is that I have an ability to convey the truths of the gospel and to convey the truth of the word in a way, hopefully, that you understand. But my communication style is motivation and inspiration, right? And does have the truth, because I want to renew my mind on the truth daily. But what I love about the style of communication that Tin had is Tin's a teacher. There's a difference between preaching and teaching in the scriptures, guys. There are three things that Jesus did. He, he preached, he teached, and he healed. And you know what he did the most? Healing. Healing was the most that he did. And this is something that I was convicted at at the Fresh Expressions Conference a couple weeks ago. They said, you know what? We're all into preaching. We're all into teaching. How much healing are we into? The number one thing Jesus did over preaching and teaching was healing. That's, 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 healing takes patience. Healing takes compassion. Healing takes putting yourself in the other person's shoes. Healing takes wisdom, hokma. Okay? You know what the next thing? So that's healing. You know what the next thing Jesus did? Preaching. 5,000 out front talking about it. And then the last thing he did was teaching. Right? They're probably teaching. I don't know. They could probably go back and forth. But the teaching sometimes was with parables, like a proverb, a little short story, conveys up eternal truth. And then the preaching a lot of times was the straight up, you're a sinner. I'm the son of God. I'm giving my life so that you can have eternal life. That's the preaching. The teaching was the parables. So what you've noticed about my style is that Tim did an awesome job breaking down God's word very chronologically. He gave you references from the Old Testament, gave you references from the New Testament. He slowed down, gave you addresses so you could go home and look it up. I've gone up here and I've rambled at you guys. I've hit a bunch of verses in Romans. I hit some verses in James. I hit some verses in Deuteronomy. I hit some verses in Psalms and Proverbs, right? These are all things that God's given me through reading God's word, through, through, through Bible school, through my, my mom and dad teaching me God's word, through my wife being faithful to God's word and making me memorize the Romans road on vacation. <laughs> I'm happy about that. Okay. We'll end with this. We did give you the scripture for a reason. I want you to know something about this scripture here. I want you to look. What is the second word of this, and what is the lat the third word from the the blue? The third word in from the last, and the second word in. Oh. Are those the same words? Are those the same words? Is a trick question. No, those are not the same words. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. Are those the same words? No. The top one, respect, reverence. The bottom one, worry, anxiety. If you can't read God's word that way, you've got to slow down. You need to ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. Say, help me, Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. That fear is a healthy respect. I won't mention any names, but we went hot air ballooning last week, and we found out that someone has a healthy respect of gravity. Because when they got 250 feet above the Earth's surface, dangling from a thin basket on a hot air balloon, 
they gripped the basket in a way that left their handprints in there and will be there forever. Now, they are quiet persons, so they never said anything. But I noticed, and the balloon operator noticed. So when they came to the ground, they got out of the balloon and then began to kiss the ground. That's a healthy respect for something. Right? You might have a healthy respect for that police officer that's sitting on the, the turnaround on the interstate. That's a healthy respect. Woo you sit up straight. You pretend like you're doing something. Why do we do that? We're like, oh, yeah. Adjust our glasses. Like, I want to have my phone, sir. I'm adjusting my glasses. I'm picking my nose. I'm itching. Why do we do that? Maybe he'll think I'm adjusting my visor. We, I mean, do I do that? What am I doing? I'm making up something else to distract him from my speedometer? That's stupid. He's got a radar gun. Maybe he won't look at his radar gun if I adjust my visor. That's a healthy respect. We do the same thing with God. Maybe if I do this with my right hand, he won't see what my left hand's doing. That's ridiculous. Maybe if I go to church, he will forgive me for what I did on Tuesday night. Come on, guys. It's like adjusting your visor on 93 when you're doing 84 miles an hour. The bottom one, worry, anxiety. That's that feeling that we get in our stomach when our kid goes off to school. Or that, that feeling that we get in our stomach when the doctor said, hey, can you come back actually in and see me? We ran some tests. We want to see you. Have, that, have you had that feeling? I've had that feeling. Right? That worrying anxiety. Or that like... I don't know if we're going to be able to pay the bills this month or, oh my word, like our taxes didn't go the way we thought they were going to go or I didn't get the return I thought or I owe IRS more than I thought or, you know, whatever. you get that, like, how am I going to make it? Worry. See the difference? Respect versus anxiety. Okay. I want to end with this. The first one, fear. They're connected. This is really cool. God gave me this. I'm sure someone else has said this, but God gave me this this morning. The fear of the Lord is understanding God's place in the universe and your place in that same universe. Let me say this again. The fear of the Lord is understanding your place in the universe versus God's place in the universe. And when we have a healthy respect, a reverence for God, understanding His Place in the universe. Because it says leads to understanding, leads to knowledge. This is the knowledge, folks. The fear of the Lord, you're saying, I understand that you are God and I am not. You are in control and I am not. You are all powerful, all knowing, all righteous, all holy, and I am not. That puts me in a place of humility and independence upon God. When you do that, the worries... The anxieties of this world seem to melt. Now we struggle with it. It's not a one and done. But let me let me connect those two. When you understand your place in the world and understand God's place in the world, the worries and fears, this one down here, whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. So if you're fearing your financial position, if you are fearing your health, if you are fearing that your children are going to do some audacious sin that you didn't commit, come on now, right? Or that they're going to go off to some college and abandon the Lord, or they're going to do so. If you're, if you're filled with that fear of any of those things, you might want to go back and check to see if you've remembered your position in the universe and God's position in the universe. Because your worry, my worry, my anxiety is a red flag that I am shifting myself to an improper position in the universe. That's why fear is happening. Because I think it depends upon me. Do you get? Can you see that? This is wisdom, folks. This is wisdom. That when you understand God's place in the universe and your place in the universe, the fears of this world, right? as the old hymn writer said, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full at his wonderful face. For the things of this earth, I can't even do it without crying. For the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Why do I cry? Why do I cry right now? Because my grandmother's saying that next to me. And her grandmother's saying that next to her. And her grandmother's saying that next to her. I don't know how old that hymn is, but it's a lot older than me. And it's a lot older than my grandmother. 
And it's ne that truth is never going to change. This is wisdom. That you understand your place in the universe. You're a sinner. That you're in a place, God's place in the universe. All power, all knowing, all loving. Slow to anger, full of compassion. Gave us his son. And when we put faith and we become an adopted heir of the king, the things of this earth grow strangely dim. And the light of his glory and grace. We'd like to welcome you to the table. This is a remembrance. It's Communion Sunday. It's May 1st. We practice what we call an open communion. That's just a fancy way of saying you are open to take communion here. The Bible says this, that you should come to the table with clean hands and a pure heart. <laughs> I was just on vacation. I, you know, I have some confessions to do. I overate. I did some other things. But that's just a funny way. That's just a joke of saying no. We are all human. Now, if you have not given your life to Jesus Christ... If there's not been a place in your life where you've done what Romans says, for anyone who would call in the name of the Lord shall be saved. If that's something you haven't done, we would like to invite you to do that. So you can be part of the family of God. And then you can come boldly, it says, before his presence. Because Jesus' blood has covered you. That's this table. This table is a remembrance of why we can come boldly. So how it works is uh, our uh, musical team here is going to play. You can come up to the station here, grab a cup, and grab uh, a piece of bread. Make your way back. Chat with the Lord, your Heavenly Father. Confess your sin. I would suggest don't stop there. Communion means confess your sin also this afternoon. Ask the Lord, who do I need to go talk to? Who do I need to go say hey to? And say, hey, would you forgive me? Hey. You know? Yeah, hey, exactly. And uh, I need to confess. And so you do that, and then Nathan will come and he will lead us in the taking of the elements. We love you, your family, because of Jesus' grace. And you're welcome to the table when you put your faith in him. Thanks for listening. We here at Loon Mountain Ministry are committed to loving God, serving community, and enjoying mountains. We want to thank you for being a part of our collective high five this week as we seek to be a light in the White Mountains and all around the world. Please feel free to reach out to us at info at loonmtnministry.com so we can get more connected. See you guys.